Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Doctor's Kitchen. Recipes, health, lifestyle. But even now I'll make notes, you know, before and after and just if, you know, if there's things going on, things that I want to discuss because it's quite emotional and, and quite personal and you're sat there talking about your own health and, and, and what you're dealing with. You can get really muddled and, and flustered and it's, um, but yeah, I would always say be an advocate for your own, for your own body and your own well-being, definitely. And keep, keep going because you will get there eventually if you are out there and you're waiting for a diagnosis. Don't give up. Um, don't give up. Welcome to the Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. The show about food, lifestyle, medicine, and how to improve your health today. I'm Dr. Rupi, your host. I'm a medical doctor. I study nutrition, and I'm a firm believer in the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. Join me and my expert guests where we discuss the multiple determinants of what allows you to lead your best life. Today, I speak with the wonderful Emily Johnson, a patient expert living with seronegative arthritis for seven years, who's been documenting her journey through food, lifestyle, stress, and its impact on her chronic condition on the arthritis foodie on social media. Through starting an online community, Emily has discovered all kinds of natural remedies, lots of conflicting advice, as you'll hear, as well as healthy ways to stay active and live with arthritis. She's since written an Amazon number one best-selling book with contributions from a number of experts, including rheumatologists, immunologists, and more. And today we talk about Emily's diagnosis story, why you have to own your condition, whether it's arthritis or a long-term condition in general, her process of discovering triggers, inflammation-fighting foods, as well as why a Mediterranean diet is a good starting point. We also talk about supplements, CBD, exercise, and why stress has a significant impact. What I would do is, as a refresher for what inflammation is in general, is listen back to episode number 19, I believe it is, with Dr. Jenna on a previous episode of the Doctor's Kitchen podcast where we talk about inflammation in general. Plus, I would also look at the other um, pods that I've done on supplementation in general. I am a fan of making sure people's vitamin D levels are adequate um, through supplementation as per government guidance, but some people definitely need to check their vitamin D levels throughout the year. You can either get that done by your general practitioner or you can get online blood tests as well. For now, I really hope you enjoy Emily's story, Emily's tips, 
and you can check out her book Beat Arthritis Naturally across all bookstores. So uh, Emily, it was uh, it was great to um, to see you on Wednesday uh, on TV, uh, your first live TV appearance, and now you're on uh, Amazon number one best selling author, which is uh, epic. Um, how are you feeling? Thank you very much, Rupi. Oh my gosh, it was it was such a brilliant experience, and I absolutely loved every minute. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to spread the message, get people understanding how important lifestyle and food is around arthritis and living with arthritis from from day to day. So, yeah. And um, yeah, the Amazon, <laughs> the Amazon thing is just, uh, yeah, it's 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 absolutely unbelievable. It really, really is. Yeah, no, that's, it's great. You, I mean, you deserve it, mate. And you know, as we were talking about before, when you do um, TV, you only get like six or seven minutes to <laughs> sort of transmit uh, a 300 page plus book you know with all with all the uh, research and stuff that you put into it so um this hopefully is like an opportunity to uh talk through the main concepts in the book and your mission and a bit about you uh, but i'd be fascinated uh to talk about how your journey started and uh, and how now you find yourself in a position of being a patient expert. The thing that I say in my book is that the gen- that your genetics hold the bullets, but your environment pulls the trigger. Um, so I was always going to be sort of genetically susceptible to having arthritis. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, I was at my friend's barbecue, uh, got a really bad case of food poisoning. Um, I was just really ill for for weeks on end. Um, Initially, this finger swelled up and then this finger and then my thumbs. And then I was just having really fatigue, like heavy fatigue, flu-like symptoms. Um, I was really unwell sleeping like 12, 16 hours a day. Um, I'd just started my third year of university. So it was was really testing, like difficult time. I had to go and live back home with my mum for a bit. Um, doctors just thought it was freshest flu initially. Um, nobody really knew what was going on, and it was a really difficult time. But also, randomly, as 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 we sort of looked through my medical files, my mum was reminded that at four years old I had swollen knees for a week, and I was hospitalised. Um, but then that was it. Nothing ever came of it, and nothing ever happened again until I was twenty years old, which is when mm. I've sort of ended up living with it for the last eight years. Wow. And so. W- w- Take take us back to when you were four years old. Um, so what 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 happened then? So I can't I can't really remember myself because I was so so little. I can remember being carried to the toilet um, <laughs> in, in the hospital. Um, but yeah, I just had these huge swollen uh, swollen knees um, lasting for for about a week. I had to be in hospital for. Um, and they eventually went down and, and everything was fine. They could they checked me for juvenile arthritis for three months afterwards, but because everything went back to normal they just sort of left it and wrote it off and never checked me again um but it's interesting because obviously the the susceptibility to having it is, was there and was there from a, from a young age um yeah so it was then triggered triggered an, an autoimmune response later in life when I was 20 when I had that food poisoning and my immune system started attacking itself essentially it's, it, it, for, for me, going into, I don't want to turn this into a patient history session, but learning about um, the journey from childhood uh, has so many clues and 
plotting out a timeline of when they when someone was sick or when you know they've had issues uh, often points to a lot of clues uh, when you look retrospectively and it's very interesting i mean you, you wouldn't remember but did your mother suggest any um, precipitating causes like an infection, a diarrheal illness, um, a flu, something like that when you were a kid that, that set things off or did it just randomly happen? It just, it was completely random, I think, as far as I know, which is why she yeah, sort of took me to hospital and then they sort of kept me in for testing and to see what was what was going on, but they couldn't, they couldn't work it out. Um, yeah, it's, it, which is also kind of, kind of mirrored later in life because, they couldn't work out what was going on with me then either because none of the inflammation was showing in my blood, um, which it doesn't with serum because I've got seronegative arthritis. You've got seronegative and seropositive, I'm sure you know. Um, and with seronegative... Just, just unpack that for the listener for us. Yeah, so um, so there's two forms of rheumatoid arthritis, um, inflammatory arthritis. You've got seronegative and you've got seropositive. And with seropositive, you have um, markers in the blood that show that you have a lot of inflammation happening within the body. However, with seronegative, even though you have that inflammation, it's not showing up in the blood, which makes it a lot harder to and, and lots and yeah, takes a lot longer to get a diagnosis. Um, so for me, what did it was was ultrasounds, um, which I I pushed for because I was like, look at my hands. <laughs> I was like, there's definitely something going on here. Um, and so yeah, I had an ultrasound of my of my joints and and they were classed as severe. Um, which then they, they were like, okay, it's seronegative arthritis. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's the difference, which is why it does take it does take a bit longer. Yeah, I was going to say, so going back to your story when you were, um, well, around the time that you had your second flare, let's call it, um, it when you were at university, uh, you were initially sort of sort of disregarded by your general practitioner or whoever you were seeing, and then it took. A while. How long does it actually take for you to perhaps see a specialist and then get a formal diagnosis? Yeah, so it took it took about I think it took about a year to get into the rheumatology department, and then even oh, wow. even a bit longer to sort of get that diagnosis. Just I saw I saw so many different GPs. I even went to A and E at one at one point because I, I remember waking up. This was before I went back home, and I woke up and I was like, Oh my god, I can't move my hands. Um, and I was just so panicky and, and went to A went to A and E and they didn't know what was going on. Um but yeah, it took it took a while to get that referral. And then of course when you when you get that referral, it's a three month wait, then you get the appointment and it's like, right, okay, let's let's do some tests, then it's another wait. You know, there's there's God bless the NHS, they do an amazing, amazing job. But there are a lot of of, of, of processes and, and waiting lists, unfortunately. So it that's what took took the time I guess I, I, I can't really blame the practitioners or, or my rheumatologist it was just a case of okay we've got to cross this off the list then this then this then this and then we've got to try this medication this medication and initially I got you know it was a uh, chronic fatigue syndrome someone thought it was that uh, fibromyalgia um, and then they said okay you've got inflammatory arthritis off you know from having an infection and it's just gonna last a year um, but it didn't <laughs> and it hasn't um, so yeah uh it's yeah it's a really really long process but it, by the time i sort of was starting to be on medication it yeah it was almost almost two years year and a half two years yeah wow wow and what, what was the first uh, medication they put you on so they tried me on um sulfasalazine um and naproxen actually no naproxen was the first one then sulfasalazine um then hydrocoxychloroquine and then methotrexate <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, fine. So j- just for the, the listeners, those are so a varied a mixture of powerful drugs and um, uh, opiate, uh, sorry, not opiate, um, painkilling medications that uh, reduce inflammation. Um, and just to go back to that point, I think about chronic disease in general and finding a diagnosis, it's fantastically common, unfortunately, within a healthcare service that provides universal healthcare at no uh, cost at the point of care. Um, and like you said, like it's an incredible service that we actually have that we pay through via taxation. Really good for acute care, quite poor when it comes to chronic care. And unfortunately, that lands on the doorstep of general practitioners who are fantastically overworked because you're probably patient number uh, 15 in the morning of 40 plus all the other interactions via telephone and prescriptions and yada 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 and all the managerial duties as well of your typical primary care physician um so we we, we tend to have a lot of lag in uh initial diagnosis and then referral which we're sort of fighting for the patient for as well because secondary care is also backed up and then to actually get a formal diagnosis we have treatment you know, it's, it, it, you can see all the different barriers along the way and why people get lost because this, particularly with arthritis and particularly as someone who's young, this is something that takes quite a while usually to get a diagnosis, right? Yeah, it, it, it's it's very common. And, and speaking to, you know, my community and through Arthritis Foodie, I've had so many young people come to me and say, this is this was the same for me and this happened to me. And, and it is a case of you know, even now I don't look like I've got arthritis. I don't look like I live with anything at all. Um, so it is it is that barrier of like, no, I am I am in pain. Um, this is happening to me and this is real. Um, and I, I speak about it in the book, but you almost have to be a real advocate for your own body, for your own health, for your own well-being, because nobody else is going to do it for you and nobody else knows what you're living with day to day. You know, keep that diary, keep keep a record of what's going on, you know, and my mum used to come with me to the appointments. Um, but even now I'll make notes, you know, before and after and just, if you know, if there's things going on, things that I want to discuss, because it's quite emotional and, and quite personal and you're sat there talking about your own health and and, and what you're dealing with. You can get really muddled and and flustered, and it's um. But yeah, I would always say be an advocate for your own for your own body and your own well being definitely, and keep keep going because you will get there eventually if you are out there and you're waiting for a diagnosis. Don't give up, um. Don't give up. I you know I think that's a really important point to to emphasize that people need to really take ownership of their health because even though we have a fantastic system that works, you almost have to make it work for you. So the things like taking notes before and after, coming with the questions, asking for investigations, those are things actually that we should be encouraging because unfortunately, if you're passive in the management of your healthcare, with it, when it comes to things like chronic disease, a lot of things can get missed. And I think a lot of my medical colleagues would probably agree with me when they unfortunately have family members or close friends who are ill, they almost become their healthcare managers. They're like, make sure you ask this, 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 because these are things that we're looking out for. So you have to make sure you, you take ownership of that. Um, and I think perhaps it, it's going to require a bit of a cultural shift to put more not not to say that, you know, um, it's going to be the sole responsibility of the patient. We obviously have responsibility as healthcare providers, but we have to change that culture such that patients become their own advocates and they actually not become demanding, but certainly they uh, have a lot more onus and a lot more involvement in, in how they're managed and, and, and obviously encouraging questioning as well. 
completely agree. I completely agree with that. And I think it 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 comes down to as on not only just when you're in that room, but when you're outside of that room, being a being an advocate for your health as well with, you know, your mm. lifestyle, what you're eating, what you're doing, your exercise. I mean, we're going to come on to this aren't we? anyway, but it's all the things around that as well. Um, you know, and, and I say in the book for a long time, I sort of I did I did let every, everybody else deal with my arthritis. You know, I was like, I'll, I'll leave it to the medication. I'll leave it to my rheumatologist. They can sort it out. And I was really as just sort of completely disengaged from it. Um, which actually made it worse because I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't listening to my own body. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. Um, and I just, yeah, didn't want anything to do with, whereas now I'm like, no, I live with this from day to day. How can I make living in my body with this better from day to day and, and, and make it better for me? Um, so yeah, it's all the things, yeah, not just in that, in that consultation room that you can do for your, for your health as well. Um, absolutely. Yeah. There's another side to this as well. Not only is it uh, about owning your arthritis and being actively involved in your management, but it's also about owning your your arthritis uh, at a psychological level. Like this is me. This is yes, uh, I'm identifying with this condition, but I can be the best I can be given the you know the, the issues I'm, I'm experiencing. And you talk a bit about that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it is. It's it's kind of not doing the it's this is versus me, it's the arthritis versus me, it's, it's the arthritis is a part of my life and how can I live with it better? Um, yeah, and, and psychologically, it actually becomes more of a relief um, when you do that because you're not you're not running away from it um, you are facing it and you're kind of learning to understand it um, and I say in the book you know if you have to live with someone 365 days of the year you know seven days a week and month by month you know do you really want to make that person an enemy no absolutely not you want to make them a friend you want to understand them you want to live with them in in a way that's as best as possible really um and also it's different from from person to person you know because there, there are over 100 different types of arthritis and there's so many you know i think there's like over 80 autoimmune diseases there's so many different ways that this this can present itself from person to person in, in your body so you know what might work for me might not work for somebody else but it's it is a case of finding out what works for you um you know this book isn't you know it's not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna you know just like take everything away and this is it read my book and, and you, everything's going to be fine it's it's read my book and learn from it and see what's in it that can help you and the, hopefully there's something in it that can help everybody but it is yeah having that advocacy over your own over your own body definitely just to touch on that a little bit more how have you, have you always had that kind of disposition in terms of your personality of of getting on with things and recognizing that this is part of you or was that a bit of a process and if so d did you have help or did you read things so for me it was a massive process i um when i first got authorized i didn't tell anybody um, I was felt quite um, ashamed and embarrassed, not that I ever should have been, but I, I did feel like, oh my God, I'm so young. And every time I went to the hospital, it was just full of elderly people. I was like, oh my God, there's nobody living with this my age. I just, I just couldn't understand it. I, I was just so, so, yeah, completely disengaged. Didn't, didn't feel like I could live with it at all. It was very much like the arthritis versus me. Um, and I just carried on and tried my best to carry on as if I didn't have it, which made it worse you know I really struggled to keep up um and uh, and, it, and it wasn't really the, the best thing for me to do um so no absolutely not I it, it's definitely taken me time to accept but um 
but accepting become yeah it's it's a huge like I said it's huge weight lifted and you just feel like okay this is me this is okay it's it's a part of my life it's not exactly who I am but it is a part of my life um and yeah it does make you sort of think more positive more positively about it and also it helps you to listen to your body because that what that wasn't what I was doing um those years ago I didn't <laughs> I didn't listen to my body at all um but in terms of what sort of changed and sort of triggered me to sort of look at it differently I I I started the arthritis foodie account um in 2018 um my colleagues were really healthy and they were like em you should really look into food and I, so I did and I went on social media couldn't find anything so then I started just blogging about food and and sort of yeah reaching out to loads of different you know um <laughs> people healthy food bloggers online and I just I couldn't find anyone that was talking about arthritis um and I and I kept it anonymous so even then I was like I don't <laughs> want to have my face to this um and then yeah I, I and I was speaking with my friends and and I had so many young people messaging me and I was like oh my gosh you know do you know what if 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 if, if this is going to help people to see my face to see that this is also what arthritis can look like then maybe this is what I'm here to do and I just felt like a real purpose and that I had to do this and and um you know I never set out to <laughs> to end up I had no idea I was ever going to be on national tv um that's that's completely unexpected and and not planned at all um I just thought you know I just want to help people that's all I want to do um so yeah I think it's and and because of that I feel like it's opened us for other people to do the same and and when I first started the account there was barely anyone on on social media talking about living with arthritis and now there's hundreds and thousands of accounts of young people talking about it day to day things that help them and things that they do and um you know and I just think it's absolutely wonderful I think it's amazing because it just it just makes you feel less alone it really really does and I think when you don't talk about it and you hold it in you're damaging yourself but you're also damaging other people because they feel alone too so you know the more you talk about it the better really and it it helps you and it helps other people um to answer your question De- <laughs> yeah fun. no de- definitely the the positive the positive edge of um of social media for sure um the, i mean there's loads of negatives but i think uh creating community and connecting with people who identify or, or suffer with with similar things is is i think fantastic um that there's even organizations like health unlocked where they purposely have uh, communities built around conditions so people can share experiences, feel uh, connected to other people um, through the, those shared experiences. And it, it, it definitely resonates with me a lot, actually, because people are probably sick of me banging on about the story. But when, when I was diagnosed with um, atrial fibrillation at the age of 24, um, it, it was very much uh, and still is relatively uncommon to have a young person with this condition. Uh, it usually afflicts people in their 50s, 60s plus. Um, the uh, potential triggers were, you know, non-existent in me. There was no real explanation as to why I was suffering from it. So there was definitely a lot of frustration and embarrassment that this was something that I, with no family history, with no other issues, and amongst all my colleagues who are, you know, just living their normal 20-something-year-old lives, uh, why me sort of sort of thing. Um, yeah, that definitely went through my head like as well. A, like an, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Like a, an, an invisible cloak of embarrassment. Um, does, is that something that sort of resonates with yourself as well yeah absolutely oh my gosh absolutely I was like why is this happening to me and how is this happening to me and oh my gosh yeah I I totally just 
yeah, really found it so difficult, so difficult um, to feel like I could get a handle on it. And again, just didn't want to associate myself with it, which is almost hilarious now because I'm like, associate me with arthritis. I'm arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> when you think arthritis and food, you think of arthritis food. Yeah. So for me, it was difficult enough, like with my medical degree and, uh, you know, having been formally trained in uh, analysis and looking through papers and all that kind of stuff. For me, it was hard enough to even A, consider food uh, as a viable um, uh, complementary management option. So something that was uh, in addition to the pharmaceuticals I was taking, the interventions that were well, not the interventions, but the investigations that were quite interventional. Um, you know, I struggled to to know where to start, if I'm honest. Um, what what was that like for you when you when you sort of found in the ether that maybe food and lifestyle could potentially help? Yeah, I I felt really overwhelmed initially. Um, because if you if you Google arthritis food, arthritis food, arthritis diets, it is I mean, there's just so much out there and there's so many contradictory things like some people say dairy is good some people say dairy is bad some people say gluten is bad you know there's just so many there's so many contradictory things but do you know what I I tried everything I was like I'm gonna try (laughs) I'm gonna try it all because I was just I I just got to a point where I was just so I was was in a complete state of despair really actually with my arthritis I I was in a really bad bad place um so I was just willing to try absolutely everything and anything um, and then as I started to sort of research, look into things myself, you know, um, I really started to think, OK, I think there might be something in this. And and I read more about the Mediterranean diet and I came across you. One of my friends bought me your book actually for my birthday. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think that was in 2019, 2018, 2019. She bought me your book anyway and was like, this is guy who does like really healthy food. You should check it out and like bought me <laughs> your book for my birthday um <laughs> um deliciously ella you know all the, all the all the like amazing wonderful people that are, are talking about these diets i got you know got got into that and started looking at how yeah how how it can help and but i did try everything i really really did and then um i did notice it did start to help and and i started to track also things that weren't helpful and and things that were it's sort of inflammatory to me and made my arthritis worse um and then I was like "Mm, I think there's I think there's something in this there really really is and thought okay you know why is why isn't there a book about this why isn't there something out there and and yeah sort of made it my mission um two years ago to start writing about 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 these things um and how it how it's helped me yeah (laughs) when you google anything how to eat for insert condition symptom whatever it is you're gonna find uh, like absolutely everything in there and they always contradict some people saying meat, some people going vegan, some say you can't have nightshades and uh, oats and and you know it's it's just a, a complete minefield and and then it kind of spirals into those restrictive diets and particularly people who are younger and more impressionable that's where it has a real psychological impact, uh, which is why I'm always mindful, even on my socials to to this day, you know, warning people, if you do have an unhealthy relationship with, with food in general, or specifically healthy food, then I'm not the person to be following um, and actively asking people to, to sort of unfollow. But uh, wading through all those different contra, uh, uh, contradictions online, 
how did you find the die that sort of like figured things out for you? How, how did, did you have like a formal uh, trigger and, and uh, helpful sort of list of foods? And, and, and what was that process like? Yeah, so I basically um, made a list of all the things that could potentially trigger, made a list of all the things that potentially would help um, and just, yeah, kept a food diary and kept a trigger of, of, of everything. Um even to the point of like my toilet habits and what was going on there, like the gut, all of it. Um, and yeah, my, That's great. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've got, because 70, you know, you know, 70% of the immune system is in the gut. So, and when you live with an autoimmune disease, I was like, there's gotta be something in that surely. Um, and they're actually researching it now um, versus arthritis is researching the connection between the gut and rheumatoid arthritis. Obviously, that's not a study that's out yet or, or, or ready, but um, but it's something that is being looked into, which is brilliant um, because I do think there's something in it, um, especially because my arthritis was triggered by food poisoning <laughs> um, yeah. as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, Mediterranean diet, I just, you know, <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's it's packed with everything really that that is that is anti-inflammatory and that can ha- that can help hopefully. Um, but yeah, in terms of triggery things, um, like deep fried foods, I found really just not not good at all. Um, and um, certain types of dairy, like re- like really heavily processed cheese. Like if I had like a pizza, I mean that's just like a no for me now. <laughs> um or if I do have it I just accept that I'm gonna suffer the next day you know because I think what you were saying about food and being restrictive with yourself you know I I, at the start I was so strict with myself and I brought Tupperwares of food to my friend's house if they were all eating somewhere you know I was very I was very strict and I was like I'm I'm gonna follow this to the to the like to the T I'm gonna do this right but then actually it started to make me feel a bit rubbish and a bit miserable because I couldn't join in so I think now if, if, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I don't really like how I feel the day after, but, but if I did want to have fried food, I, I could have it. I don't stop myself from having it, but I just know, okay, my, my joints might hurt tomorrow. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just the kind of, the kind of, um, the peace in knowing what's going to happen to me rather than worrying, oh God, what if I eat this, what if that's going to happen? It's kind of like, again, being an advocate over your own body, your own health and understanding it more and listening to your body. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, food is such a social thing. So I eat as well as possible and, and I'm as healthy as possible, but I also don't restrict myself, restrict myself if, you know, I do want to eat out with my friends, you know, I'll probably still choose something healthy off the menu because that's what I'm like, but, but, you know, <laughs> but I, but I, you know, but I do still have those, those social occasions. I, I do love sushi. So I will treat myself <laughs> to that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, um, I, I think it's really good that we're talking about this actually, because, uh, um, we there is a balance between everything there's a, there's a balance between uh, healthy eating and uh, becoming obsessive about healthy eating such that it causes stress which actually has a negative effect as we'll talk about uh, in a little bit um the other side of it i think it's become a bit unfashionable to talk about restriction in it in the sense that it can potentially help initially so for me i know that uh, when i eat poorly i feel rubbish the next day so i have to utilize some um inhibition i have to you, you know use some restriction um and 
and we have to get comfortable with that concept of guilt because that actually enforces good behavior. When guilt spirals into something worse, such that you feel shame, that's when you've got an issue um, that needs addressing. And so I think, you know, everything is on a spectrum and I, and I, on social media, again, the, the negative side of social media, it's quite easy to just go black or white. Um, it's very polarizing. And because you're utilizing a character limited platform, you don't have any discussion around the nuance of these topics, which is why a podcast and hopefully talking to people like yourself and others allows for that discussion to come through that you really have to own what works for you and what doesn't. And sometimes, yeah, you know, having a, a, a bit of restriction is a good thing. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. And I, and, and I think if you are initially starting out on wanting to track um, food and how it affects you and, and how stress affects you, how anything affects you and putting these restrictions in place does help. So, when you know, those first weeks of trying to sort my gut out, absolutely, it helped to have those restrictions because then I gradually, I talk about it in the books, well, you just gradually add one thing in at a time so that you can notice whether or not that is having an effect. If you're still eating all the same things, you're not eating very healthily and then you add another inflammatory food, is it what food is it that's that's caught that could be causing that you don't really know um but if you're if you're being you know kind a bit strict with yourself it is you know to a certain point then you can track keep track of those things but i think the longer term so you know i'm talking like a six weeks testing period but longer term like you know months and months you know you, you don't necessarily need to do it for months and months and months or a year at a time because that is restricting and that is that will start to affect you mentally um yeah <laughs> Yeah. And so start with a, well, you eventually sort of settled on a Mediterranean style diet and just, just for the listeners, you know, that is one with good quality, healthy fats, lots of colors, uh, beans and pulses, limited use of animal products, um, plenty of water eating, you know, at a table, it's more of a style of eating rather than a, a diet per se. Um, and if you measure the Mediterranean diet, um, along with many other diets, like a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, as long as it's well planned, um, the Dietary Inflammatory Index states that it is uh, very anti-inflammatory. Let's talk about some of those ingredients, because I'm sure like people listening to this are just chomping at the bits to find out, okay, what kind of foods should I be experimenting with or trying out, see if I like, uh, according to that Dietary Inflammatory Index, which ones do, do you talk about in your book? Oh my gosh, so many different ones. Um, I yeah, I guess yeah. Oh my god, I don't know where to start. Um, herbs and obviously your herbs and spices. I talk a lot about this. Um, and you know when I first started out the journey, turmeric was something that people used to go on and on at me about. <laughs> arthritis and turmeric, arthritis and turmeric. Um, but that there is actually a lot of evidence around it being super anti-inflammatory and if you have it with black pepper it increases the absorption by 2000 percent. so that's one um obviously you've got things like your basils um you know herbs herbs and spices things like that um yeah i mean oh my gosh yeah i think we, we often forget about those like typical sort of herbs uh culinary herbs like um basil marjoram oregano rosemary that they can be just as impressive as um uh, turmeric and, and even curcumin when it's curcumin being one of the active components of, of turmeric well one thing i love about cooking with these ingredients is that you're getting the whole complexity of the of the plant or the leaf um which, which we don't fully understand but we know that when we incorporate them into our diets it, it, it definitely has a, a an impact and and though you know they, they have loads of different names like carnosol and 
um, hydroxytyrosol that you find in some oils like extraversion olive oil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're a big fan of matcha tea as well, another sort of fashionable product. Yeah, I could go I could talk about it for days. I absolutely love <laughs> absolutely love matcha. It's it's got 136 times more antioxidants than green tea. Um it's it's so, so good for you. It I honestly I love it. I absolutely love it. I try and have it almost every day if I can. I have it and make it at home. And it's quite a mindful thing as well. So you have your powder, your water, you whisk it. You know, I've got my milk frother. They put my almond milk in, and then you, you just pour it in, and then oh, it's just it's just a time for yourself as well. And you know that it's going to be delicious and it's good for you. Um, so yeah, yeah that's yeah, such a massive definitely. that's such a massive one. I yeah, my my if anyone that follows me will know that I would yeah, I am the matcha girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's brilliant uh, actually. Um, Dr. Gemma Newman, um, when she came onto my pod, uh, brought with her a a matcha bowl with a whisk. Um, and so, and, and it's very mindful and it's a, it's a proper bowl. I think it was from Japan and it's got some ridges. So when you put the matcha powder, which is like this vibrant green color, um, you, you kind of mix it around with the whisk. And so it incorporates with your, your warm water, like quite easily. Um, and, and you know, the evidence around matcha is, is really impressive. You know, it's full of those different types of catkins. It's slightly lower in caffeine. So it has less of a jittery effect in it contains theanine as well, which is uh, like a, not an anxiolytic, but it, it has a calming effect as well. And I think the whole, you're right, the whole process of, of making matcha itself is is quite stress relieving. Yeah, it's so, so nice. And I, yeah, I think with coffee as well, you obviously, you know, I, I occasionally have coffee as a treat, but you, you have that spike of energy, don't you? And then, and then a bit of a drop, but with any time I have matcha, I have like this calm, release of energy because you've got the l-theanine and you've got the caffeine and it's just like this gentle constant release of caffeine and l-theanine during the day for like eight hours and it's just it just makes you feel lovely <laughs> amazing <laughs> Definitely. you'd think i was talking about a drug wouldn't you but i'm not it's yeah. just green tea <laughs> well well they, they do say coffee is the most widely distributed psychoactive uh available to everyone in, in, in the planet so yeah um, and so, so let's let's talk about green food. So uh, green in general, you know, as we're on matcha. Um, so there's a whole different plethora of different types of, of green foods. I always bang on about them uh, all the time. What what kind of green foods uh, do you recommend? So I, I this people are probably going to roll their eyes, but kale. <laughs> I, I steam. Even it. I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> I have it in so many recipes though, kale and spinach. I love it. They're just so easy to cook with. You know, you just whack them in smoothies, you whack them in salads, you know, um, you can put them in curries. You can just, oh, they're just, they're just so versatile and they're so, so great. And I love making kale crisps. <laughs> so I'll, I'll flavor them and then put them in the oven. I've got one with like pecans that I do, um, that, yeah, and, and which is like a sweet one. And we do with Cavaliero, Cavaliero and kale. Uh, Cavalier Nero Kale. Um, yeah, I absolutely, oh, I absolutely, absolutely love it. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it is very cliche though, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, everything, everything green is great. Broccoli, um, I do uh, like a charred broccoli with turmeric. I do like a turmeric cream sauce, plant, all plant-based um, is, is a dish I've got in my book. Um, yeah, I, I, oh God, I, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely love food. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah, no, to, I mean, um, all the different types of greens, particularly the ones from the, the Brasca um, uh, group. So you, you have like pak choy and uh, bok choy, choy sam, 
the broccolis and the interesting thing about these um this this sort of group this family is uh, the more bitter the better and they contain things like uh, glucosinolate, indole-3-carbonyl, um, and sulforaphane that we've, we've actually talked about sulforaphane on a, compl- on a whole podcast because it's super, super um, interesting. And they activate um, via a number of different uh, chemical stages, NERF2 or NRF2, um, and that has a direct antioxidant, um, sorry, anti-inflammatory effect at that cellular level. So th- this sort of provides extra reason as to why to um, incorporate into your into your diet not just because okay that's having one effect but that's going to have like a synergistic effect with the rest of the food that you're consuming so you just mentioned there like you know kale and 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 turmeric it's not those things are having individual effects it's when you combine them uh, as part of a a diet that you maintain for a long time that's why you can have these these uh, a plethora of different effects on your overall inflammatory load um so yeah greens are fantastic Herbs and spices are fantastic. Um, any other sort of ingredients that are like your, your go-to? Um, so butter beans. I absolutely love butter beans. <laughs> yeah, butter <laughs> beans. I love butter beans. Again, you can throw them in anything. <laughs> um, I put sometimes put them in soups, um, salads. Um, yeah, I just I think they're I think they're amazing and they're so delicious. Um, chickpeas. Uh, so you, obviously hummus um, but again you can roast them I, I have them as like a snack sometimes um, or you can put again you can put them in salads um, or you can put them in curry so chickpea curry um, they're amazing um, brown rice uh, I, I try and eat whole you know the whole grain uh, form of, of, of yeah um, what else oh my gosh yeah I yeah <laughs> What, what did um within your community? So I'm assuming you know you've got loads of different people, generally of a, a younger sort of predisposition, but I'm sure you've got a plethora of different ages, like a spectrum of different ages. Do some people thrive on different diets, and and how have they worked those out for themselves? Because I, I think a lot of people listening might be, oh, I've I've heard that lectins aren't very good for you, or nightshades aren't really good for you. Do you see that in your audience that some people warm to different diets? Yeah. So um. So I always say to people, obviously, you know, start with the Mediterranean diet and see how you get along. But if there are things in it that that don't suit you necessarily, like nightshades or or dairy, then definitely keep a track keep keep a track of that um, for yourself for your own well being. Because yeah, it, it it there might be something in that. I mean, for this book, I researched absolutely everything, um, and I couldn't find anything on nightshades right now for arthritis and autoimmune diseases there could be something in it. And I mean, if it affects you, then definitely, you know, have have a look into it for yourself. Um, But I did a poll on tomatoes, um, because that's another one, because they're they're a bit of a, you know, people say don't eat. So that's something I did actually cut out to to see if it had any effects and it it didn't. Um, But I did a poll on my Instagram stories about a year ago, um, and it was about 50-50, you know, some people said that they did and some people said that it didn't, but it was about 50-50. But again, there's no, there's no evidence for it. But like I said, you're the advocate for your own body. So if it's, if it's affecting you, then of course, absolutely. Um, If, you know, if if it's bothering you, then try not to use them. But Another thing um, Dr. Gemma mentioned actually on our I don't know, Scrum Live the other day, and she was saying about oil, that some people have cut out oil and found that that helps, um, which I haven't heard of actually, and I haven't, haven't found anything for that. But again, if it's something that helps you, then then do it. You know, I'm not, it, I'm not sitting here saying this, this is, this is the, the complete 
all in all, this is what you should stick to. It's it's more of a, this is a guide and this is a place to start and then go off and, and see what works for you. I find that actually because unfortunately, probably from a good place, people will advise people to do things in a, in a peer-to-peer um, sort of setting or even online actually. You know, I might post something on arthritis and say, you know, start with a Mediterranean diet, uh, try these different types of oils. And then someone might comment, oh, nightshades aren't good. Or, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't put nightshades in there and you shouldn't put butter beans in there or you shouldn't put, you know, oil in general because that, that's not great for you, X, Y, Z. So people kind of because we're human beings and we we warm toward narratives um it's like that thinking fast thinking slow heuristic like we're always going to be affected by someone's personal experience more than the wealth of data like you know the research that you've looked into this for example um and, and unfortunately that that can have a, a bit of a negative effect so always start at a, at a very well-established foundation point and then iterate from there. And I think, think you know, you, you, you've put together a nice strategy for that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks, Rufi. Yeah, and I, th- I think, yeah, it is, it is just so personal, isn't it? It really, really is. And um, because the thing with, with, with oil, I thought, yeah, but that's, it's got hydrotoxic it's got it's got all the good stuff in it's got you you've got your amigas you've got you know it's really anti-inflammatory so that to me was really bizarre but obviously I can't speak for somebody that that's helped um you know because who am I to say um but yeah it's it is it is a bit of a minefield so yeah it's good to have that foundation of the Mediterranean diet it's the most cited diet in terms of anti-inflammatory um potential so yeah I think it it is a good place to start and definitely um, from the perspective of pain modulation as well, um, because a lot of people, they might not have arthritis, but you know, you mentioned a few conditions that of which there, there are some crossover with, with generalized pain, chronic fatigue. Um, so a Mediterranean diet is in general is, is very good for, for reducing pain scores. Um, so, so again, another reason why to, to start with that. The, the other thing I was going to ask you about is um, obviously the gut. So uh, probiotics, prebiotics, obviously we can get prebiotics from food, garlic, chicory, artichokes, as long as there are no sort of allergies or intolerances to those. Um, d- did, you, did you start introducing probiotic foods into your diet as well? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So um, it was something I was quite nervous about because I I, I am a bit sensitive to lactose um, mm. and dairy, like dairy is, it does, it does bother me quite, quite a bit, but I found that, um, that probiotic foods and things like kefir actually have really low lactose content um, and they actually do more good when I take them than not. Um which really surprised me because I thought, oh, wait, because when I thought of dairy, I thought, right, just cut out everything. <laughs> everything that's dairy has to go. But that's not the case um, because, yeah, probiotics like kefir, um, you know, yogurt, um, cottage cheese, um, all of those sorts of things were, were really great. Um, kombucha as well, or kombucha, <laughs> I never know how to say it. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, and, yeah, I think definitely definitely try those and see if they help you because I, I found they definitely had a massive effect on my gut um and we're really yeah really good there's a lady sam she makes um k kefir um there's a farm down south that she, i don't know if you've tried it but she she does the most beautiful kefir it's great um yeah <laughs> awesome awesome I'll, I'll definitely check that out and 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 supplementation um did you uh, I, I should have asked you actually just just to orientate ourselves when when did you start 
your dietary changes and and how long did that take to have an, a demonstrable effect yeah so i started september 2018 um i was i was on holiday with my friends in august and th- what triggered it was i was on holiday with my friends um and i woke up one morning and i kid you not my arm was bent because my elbow was so so swollen and i couldn't stretch my arm like i physically oh. couldn't st- i can now but it was like stuck like this um and I said to my friend like I, I sort of played it down I was like oh, I think I've just slept funny it's fine um but I was like no this is like a, a flare-up a really bad one um and that was like my rock bottom so that was the August and the September I was like right I'm <laughs> I'm starting this diet I'm I'm gonna try everything I've got to do this I've got to try something I was so desperate um so yeah so uh, I think it took about it took about three months, a month to three months to see the changes, which is why I've said 12 weeks in my book, six to 12 weeks, give it a chance. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, I'd say six months to really see a difference. And then after a year, I was like, I was like, this is great. (laughs) I'm going to keep doing this. Um, But just a note aside as well, I am still on medication, just so so people know. And this is everything I'm doing alongside. Um, because I, I just got to point with a medication where it just wasn't working. Um, but now it, it works a lot better because I'm also looking after myself. Um, and I've actually managed to reduce my methotrexate. I was on the highest dose of like 25 milligrams per week, um, which is an immunosuppressant um, anti-inflammatory drug. Um, and yeah, I've managed to reduce that from 25 to 15, um, which is brilliant. And I've not had any. So I was getting like new areas flaring up, um, but I have had no new area um no new joint flare-up since being on this on this diet which is massive for me because yeah. it was in my ankle then it was my other ankle and then it was in my elbows and I was just like oh my god where is it going to go next I was just in such panic so yeah <laughs> it's definitely got it under control and sort of helped me to manage it from day to day for sure did, did you ever speak to your your specialists about it or um I don't know if you have a specialist nurse as well um to, to support you at all but did 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 you ever discuss it with them? I did, yeah. I discussed it with my rheumatologist um, and she sort of didn't really just, yeah, you can probably imagine just sort of was like, oh, yes, well, just eat healthily and, you know, I'm sure it's fine. As long as you eat healthily, balance, healthy, balanced diet, that's what she said. Um, and that was really it. Um, <laughs> typical line. <laughs> I hear a lot. Do you? Oh my gosh. Well, that's what I got sold anyway. Yeah, healthy, balanced diet. Um, and I was a bit like, what? What does that? What does that mean? I, I didn't really ask, but I just was like, okay. Um, and I, I actually remember as well when my gut was in a. Um, this is before I started arthritis food, and my gut was in a really bad way, and I was really struggling I went to the doctors about that and um they were like uh yeah you need to get more fiber and I was like oh, okay um what what should I do to get more fiber and um and it sh- I sh- they were like change your breakfast so I went out and bought I mean I, I don't <laughs> I just bought like I don't know it was like special k like fiber like something yeah. I don't know <laughs> like just it just like <laughs> when actually actually plant food is where it should be like your you know your sweet potatoes your butternut squash your like beans your brown rice your you know plant food fiber fruits all of it I I love but you know it is a sad situation where unfortunately marketing messages are so powerful that that's immediately what we think of right so when I think of fiber 
still to this day, even though I, you know, I, I've trained myself to, you know, think about fiber in its whole form. I think of brown flakes, literally when someone- Sorry, it wasn't special cake, it was brown flakes. That's yeah, what it bra- was. <laughs> bra- yeah, yeah, brown flakes. It's li- this literally what you think of. I got um, brown flakes and sprinkled some sugar on top. That was my version of getting fiber. Yeah, getting fired. Wow, wow. I mean, I mean, it's 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 glad that th- I'm glad that things are changing uh, for sure. That people, you know, these messages are getting out that you, you don't just buy a, a processed product to to add fiber, which has fiber added to it to maintain its fiber content, which is you know the ridiculous state of affairs, unfortunately, that we're in. Um, before we even talk about price and accessibility and all, all that kind of stuff, the affordability of, of food in general. Um, but but now, like now you've made all these changes. I don't know when the last time you, you you had an interaction with your specialist. Now you made all these changes and you're coming down on medication. Are, are they inquiring about what lifestyle changes you've made or? Not really, not really. Um, I mean, I just said, yeah, I just said to her, I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, I've not had any flare ups and I'm, my pain levels are, are under control and, you know, could I could I potentially lower my medication? And she was a bit hesitant at first. Um, I'm also on Humira as well. Um, she's a bit hesitant as well to reduce any of it. Um, and I said, well, why don't we just try a little bit at a time, and then I can always increase it again because you can always increase it again. You know, if if I did get start to decline for whatever reason, I've got the option to increase it if I need to. Um, so yeah, so she agreed to reduce it by five milligrams over the course of like. I think it was like a like six months to a year. Um, it's taken me to go from twenty five to she's there because obviously they're very careful and they don't want to, yeah. um, you know, do it too soon and and your body have reactions. So yeah, so yeah, it's taken about a year to go from that twenty five to fifteen. Um, yeah, and that yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, there's so many things I want to unpack there, but it's just probably not for you to say in terms of the the interest from. I mean, if that if I. I mean, putting my GP hat on, if someone came into my office and we had reduced their medications, as happens quite often, but taking myself out of the, you know, I'm the doctor's kitchen, whatever, and uh, I was reducing the medications, I'd be immediately like, what are you doing? Uh, And tell me a bit more about it. And so let me do some research on it, because if this is helping reduce pharmaceutical burden, which is something that everyone in the NHS is aware of. We have polypharmacy and we want to be reducing medications as much as possible. Number of publications at BMJ about this, particularly in an age group, not yourself, but an age group where um, over 50s have more and more different types of pharmaceuticals that, pharmaceuticals that they're reliant on. You know, we should be investigating this kind of stuff. So it, it, I, I laugh, but it like really does infuriate me. But anyway, that's for another soapbox run. Um, in terms of supplementation, so you're on a number of different medications and you have been in the past as well. Um, in terms of supplementations, d- d- did you experiment w- with those at all or were you a bit hesitant because obviously uh, any any interactions? Yeah, so so I did. I I I try and still do occasionally take omega-3. In fact, I've got, got some next to me. Um, I, had one, I, had, I had one this morning. Um, yeah, so omega-3, I definitely, yeah, I still, I still take that. Um, CBD, um, I have CBD oral drops that I occasionally take, um, for pain levels and just general, um, sort of, yeah, they're really good for stress as well. Um, what else I try? I tried loads of different probiotic brands, um, and I still do take those as well. Occasionally I've tried collagen again, still take it occasionally. I've got, I had, I had some in my smoothie actually this morning, um, just like the powdered version. 
um yeah there's the, I mean there's so many different things that I tried and 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 still occasionally do have you know like vitamin teas as well and um, all kinds of bits and bobs but um yeah I think again it's it's one of the things where just try it try it for yourself and see but I try and get all these vitamins and minerals omegas through my diet as much as possible um anyway so uh, it should it should mean that you don't necessarily need them as much in your diet um but one thing um I'd like to mention is is iron um and my iron levels were really low um when I first got my arthritis which is which is a it can be a signal um of, of, of rheumatoid arthritis um and also my vitamin d levels were severely low when i first got arthritis um so uh i don't know if if that's something people can check in with with their rheumatologists or their gps but um, they're often yeah. they're often like big signals and big signs um that something is going on um so yes i was i was put on i i've been put on iron tablets before and vitamin d tablets before back then when it when it was just when it was quite severe um so yeah, but I have no need to take those supplements now. Um, but that is something probably you know if people listening um, want to look out for things there too that definitely um, I had to look out for. Definitely, yeah. I mean, vitamin D. There's um, there's discrepancy as to whether people think it's potentially causative or whether it's a symptom of. Um, yeah, I'm I'm more of the former actually. I think uh, vitamin D is inherently related to a number of different processes. So if you do have a vitamin D deficiency, which is becoming very, very common, it's pertinent to uh, supplement and, uh, and and make sure you're monitoring it. Um, the, the, the advice is, is also to, to supplement vitamin D in the winter months, but I am seeing particularly a number of uh, patients with darker skin complexions that have low vitamin D all year round. So it's definitely something I recommend getting checked. Um, and iron level, I think, is a very important one as well, because um, particularly for women of menstruating age, um, it, it's something that I, I see quite commonly. Um, and the way of iron is absorbed um, can be implicated, can be affected by inflammation uh, systemically uh, as well. So, that, the, yeah, those are really interesting uh, uh, parameters. Do, do, you, do you have your vitamin D level checked uh, even now or? Um, I don't actually, but I, I can... I don't know if this sounds really strange, but I can usually, I can feel like I can sense if that's, if that's happening. Um, I'm going to give you some homework after this. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to send you with a shopping list to, to GP. Because <laughs> when I, because when I first had low levels, it, it, I, I, I felt really down um, and really low in energy. Um, obviously that was symptoms of, of arthritis as well, but um, yeah, I, I, they, that is definitely something that I could sense when it happened, but I don't know, maybe I'm talking rubbish, but <laughs> yeah, when, when it's severely low, there's a plethora of different symptoms. Uh, bone pain can be flares if you're, if you do have an AI uh, condition, um, depression, fatigue, uh, a lot of, lot of different varied and quite vague symptoms as well. Um, so but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, so when it when it comes to sort of the the other lifestyle factors, what sort of things did you start entertaining um, early on? What what were the first things that you started doing? So I really I, this is chapter six in the book. I really wanted to get a handle on my pain, as I'm sure many people listening will will also want to try and do. Um, so for me, I I was taking quite a lot of 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 painkillers, paracetamol, cocodamol, um, arcoxia. It's like an anti-inflammatory but I was also taking that um and I was taking it I'd been told to take it like three times a day 
um, for my pain. And I was so reluctant to do that. Um, obviously, if that's what you need, fine. Of course, if that's what people need to do, I'm not going to medicine shame at all if that's what you need. But for me, I just felt like, oh, my gosh, I can't I don't want to rely on this. So aside from food, that was the first thing I started to look into natural pain remedies and ways to help myself with my joint pain and my physical my physical pain. So um, I, t- I speak about this a lot, but Epsom salt and Epsom salt baths. I absolutely, oh my gosh, I absolutely love it. I try and have like at least one or two baths a week. Um, and I'll just like literally like two, three cups of, of Epsom salt. So you can get beautiful ones now that are scented, like mindfulness ones, like um, refresh ones with like mango in and like all kinds of stuff. Um, so, <laughs> so I do Epsom salts and you literally just like get the, get the water as hot as possible, as hot as you can bear it really um and don't put anything else in the water so no like bubble bath or anything like that just the salt and you just soak in it for like 20 to 25 minutes and it just you do it right before bed um and it just makes you feel so relaxed it really soothes your body soothes your joints and I get off to sleep like that (laughs) and it's great because because when you when you when you have chronic pain one of the things that you do struggle with is getting to sleep um, and staying asleep. And if you wake up in the middle of the night and you are in pain, it's like, oh, my God, I can't get back to sleep now because I'm in pain. Um, so Epsom salt. Yeah, Epsom salt baths are just I absolutely love those. <laughs> um, another thing I do for my pain levels, um, uh, heat packs. So I've got these um, gel packs that you can either put them in the freezer or you can put them in the microwave and, and heat them. Um, and they and you wrap basically they've got like this Velcro and you like wrap it around. So I wrap it around my ankles or um, wrap it around my knee if I, if they're feeling a bit um, rough, which is usually when I'm if I'm if I'm stressed or if I've done too much physical, you know, like 15,000 steps, I'm, I'm a goner. Um, so, uh, yeah, that really helps. Um, I've got CBD oil like spray. And that I rub onto my joints. I really like that, like balms. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> that that was like the second step after food, pain management. Yeah, yeah, that's that. I mean, those are brilliant tips, and I, I think uh, particularly through the community that you built up online, I'm sure loads of people are sharing their sort of experiences and what works, and that's how people find out about the the potential benefits of of balms and CBD oil drops and stuff like that. We, we've actually done a a series of pods on uh, CBD as well, actually about um, the potential mechanisms behind m- why it might work um, and the entourage effect, which is why it has a seemingly impossible sort of effect on a n- wide number of different conditions, everything from dementia to chronic pain to um, to headache and, and, and migraine. So, so yeah, so it's some, some really interesting stuff around there. Um, and, and you also mentioned um, exercise as well as, as a means to maintaining um, your pain levels, which I think for a lot of people w- would sound quite counter counterintuitive. Like, I mean, how, if you've got arthritis, how are you going to exercise first of all? How are you going to get that motivation to get out of bed? And not out of bed, but you know, out of out of your seat or whatever within the physical limitations. Um, I wonder how how that was for you. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. If anyone's read the book, they'll know I'm not a sporty person at all. Um, I was the last to be chosen in PE lessons. Nobody wanted to be on their team. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> everyone's sort of like oh god we've got to have her have we um you're just not coordinated not very clumsy just not not sporty or exercise type of person at all um and when you go on instagram you see all these like fitness you know uh influencers or whatever you just think oh my god like, i can't that's not me i can't ever do that how are they how are they doing that i can't do that um so so when i first started looking into exercise I was like how how on earth like where do i start um, and I started looking at people up and um, she's actually contributed to the book, but Zoe from Actually, Actively Autoimmune. Um, she's a physiotherapist, a personal trainer, and she does um, guided um, exercises for people living with chronic illnesses, um, which is just which is just wonderful. Yeah, she's absolutely amazing. You should get her on here, actually. <laughs> um, she's absolutely amazing. And um, and so I saw, I found her and thought, oh, my gosh, OK, so it is possible to do exercise. And I started looking into it um, more and I found that actually if you're still and you're sedentary you are actually giving yourself a more more inflammation and more and more of an inflammation load so that oh my gosh I've got to keep moving and and you know if you freeze you seize it's it's actually very real it's true um so you know if you can get 20 minutes of activity in the day that is anti-inflammatory and and so so I started looking into things and and I've always gone swimming and that's something I absolutely love I've not been able to do really because of covid and but swimming, um, it exercises the whole body. You're in the water, so you're supported by by the water. Um, you can d- take it quite gently if that's what you need to do. It's just it's a wonderful activity. So swimming's one. Um, yoga is another. Again, this could be so different for somebody. Somebody else could be like, oh no, swimming. I hate swimming. It's all about sort of finding that exercise that works for you. Um, so yeah, yoga is also another sort of mindfulness activity as well. Um, I sometimes try and do like. If, 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 if I've got time in the morning, I'll try and do like a 15 minute one on my mat, um, which just sort of sets me up for the day. Um, I also do bedtime yoga and I there's one where um, you rub oil. So I use my CBD oil, you rub oil onto your joints and then do like really slow um, yin yoga, which is really calming. Um, so that they're like my go to's and walking around the park. I know it sounds so basic, um, but just, you know, and if, and if you want to go a bit quicker, power walking, but just just walking in green space and having that time for yourself um, whilst exercising is so important. Um, you know, forest bathing, I'm sure you've spoken about it before, but um, just being in that in that environment and, and appreciating things and you know it sounds a bit woohoo but like it's 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 not it's it's really oh no it's very real it's definitely very real i mean yeah i mean there's obviously that the the physical aspects of it so the movement the exercise and then there's the visual aspect you know looking at fractals looking at the symmetry looking at you know an environment that we're we're we've evolved to be in and then there's the sort of uh the the chemical aspect of it the volatile compounds that are released from the vegetation that we breathe in and we know has an anti-inflammatory and calming effects on the brain so it's that like sort of interplay of all these different interactions and stimuli that lead to this profound sort of anti-inflammatory effect that people anecdotally talk about um but but you know forest breathing and and the japanese researchers have have proven pretty definitively that this is this definitely having an impact yeah so yeah i think um yeah i just say exercise in a way that that suits you and and helps you and works for your body um you know is is really important and if you are having a really bad day and a really bad flare up 
then obviously don't push yourself on that day. <laughs> That's not a good day to push yourself. But if you're if your pain levels are, are you know pretty okay, um, then try and go for a walk and try and do something because afterwards you probably will feel better because you're also distracting yourself from that pain and your brain is thinking about something else. Um, you know that often is also another thing. Um, sometimes we're so accustomed to our brain thinking about our pain that it's a habit um so it's a psychological habit um so it's getting out of those habits and getting yourself yeah being mindful and getting yourself away from that talking of bad days uh, i guess we've all had like a a bad year plus uh at the moment and and you know i i know you've gone through a few stresses yourself that were unforeseen and uh, a whole bunch of other things that could be triggers as well i mean when you do have uh, a flare when you do have uh something that is out of your control, what, what, what kind of strategies that do you use or that you've perhaps had, had uh, experience of through your community that, that, that potentially work? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, it has been a very stressful time for so many people. And um, quite recently, yeah, I'd had a very sort of stressful few months. Um, and in that time, to be honest with you, I just really just took stock and just and just thought to myself, what do I need? What does my body need? Um, and really listen to myself and and almost you almost have to be a little bit selfish when you're feeling like that um you know as much as as much as you know that you know it's not a nice thing to say but you do you do have to just sort of go okay what what can I do to take care of myself right now what do I need um so yeah so I really focused a lot on sleep um because you know if you're not getting enough sleep you're in, that can really affect your inflammation and and your immunity so um, I was making sure to get a lot of rest. I was I was reading a lot, reading books to escape. Um, and this is all things to do to get my stress levels down, by the way. Um, I, you know, I was I was having, again having Epsom salt, Epsom salt baths. Um, I was I was trying to eat as well as possible, but I was relying a lot on my housemate, um, Mahi. She's amazing. She was doing a lot of the cooking and, and taking care of me when I was feeling really bad. Um, and yeah, just, you really just have to put yourself first in those moments and, and, um, surround yourself with people that, you know, you can trust and rely on and that love and care about you, because that's also another thing. It's, it's feeling safe and secure that, and, and, and feeling happy, um, that has a massive effect on, on your, on your symptoms. And, and which is why stress is just so awful because when you're in that place, the whole world is black. It just feels, it just feels horrendous. And you've got the pain on top of that. It's just like, oh my gosh, but you've just got to tell yourself this is temporary. Anytime it happens, I'm always like, this is temporary, Emily. This is not going to last forever. This is something that you know happens. You live with arthritis, you know, this can happen and it does happen. So you almost have to sort of forget, not forget, but just appreciate that it's happening now and it's not it's not going to be this is not you in six months time or three months this is you now and it's okay deal with it today day to day and you will get better um but it's hard it is hard to to view that it really really is but now like <laughs> this week is like been the biggest highs after some really awful lows and it's like you know yeah there there will be better days is all I can say there really really will be better days and um I love following Matt Haig um he's brilliant I'm advocate for mental health and mental well-being and it is just acknowledging that that also these emotions aren't you you know they're they're something that you're experiencing and and you are having to deal with but they aren't you 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 might be feeling black but you are not the black sky you are not the darkness you are not the rain that's happening to you um, you know, it is just happening to you and, and it will, the storm will go eventually and, and the sun will shine again, but it's, it, but it, in that time, it does feel 
yeah it's it's horrible but it will it will get better is what i is what i would say <laughs> yeah no i i think we we all need to use that sort of um uh rational uh thinking and that rational approach and like i said earlier we we are by virtue as as being human beings we do gravitate unfortunately to to negative thinking and negative stories about ourselves but we have to remind ourselves of the rationality that actually things are going to be getting better and and you know it might take weeks it might take months it might take years but things will always get better uh, eventually and it's 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 a mindset hack that people need to practice every single day which is why I'm a massive fan of gratitude I've banged on about it so much over the last few years. Actually, it was funny. I, one of my friends, uh, one of my best friends, um, whose kids are my, my godchildren, uh, he, he was going through a, a, a bit of a time recently and uh, he's always taken the mick out of my gratitude uh, practice like that I, I started sharing like a few years ago. And uh, he started doing it himself. And he's like, you know, this kind of, this, this actually works. <laughs> <laughs> that you've helped him even if it's taken it's taken some time i actually feel like the people closest to you don't always don't always listen to you like my like my no, mum bless not. her like like she yeah, she used yeah. to roll her eyes when i used to talk about kefir and now i mean she texts me and she's like emily have you have you heard about kefir i was like mum <laughs> have i heard about kefir and she loves it now she absolutely loves it yeah, I get I get that a lot from my friends actually. Like, have you heard about this? Like, you know, the the gut stuff and like, you know, how how uh, changing like your uh, epigenetics. And I was like, read chapter seven of my first book that I <laughs> I talked to you about this, and and clearly you didn't buy the book. So <laughs> I don't want to tell the story. I want you to tell the story. Just in case I don't want to tell anything that you don't. Yeah, but you but you you tell you tell the story of how. Uh, we first met. I, I can tell the story. Yeah, that's that's fine. So um, as many people may or may not know, I'm really clumsy. Um, and I was at work in the office and I was using a knife that I hadn't used before. That's an excuse. I'd, it would have happened, whatever, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was getting a, a stone out of an avocado, cut my hand open and ended up at uh, a hospital in A&E. And I was getting my hand seen to, I was getting it cleaned out getting the stitches but it was very very painful and I saw who I thought was doctor's kitchen walk past my uh walk past my hospital um curtain and I was like no it can't be it can't be oh my gosh I really want to try and speak to him with this like bleeding stitched up hand avocado hand I was like how on earth am I and he obviously Rupi was working I was like I can't disturb the guy's a very busy man um so I just thought you know what will be will be so uh, I had my, my hand cleaned up and the and the, the doctor said to me, you're going to have to go and get an x-ray. So I was like, all right, OK, fine. Um, she gave she sort of gave me directions and I went over to the x-ray department, got to the x-ray department and they said, Emily, you need a yellow form. I was like, well, I've not I've not got a yellow form. She she didn't give me one. Now, like, well, you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to go and get the yellow. Fo- you're going to have to get the yellow form and come back. I was like, oh, right, OK. Fine. So typical NHS uh, <laughs> bureaucracy there. But I'm actually very grateful they didn't give me that yellow form because as I left that X-ray department, I was walking down the corridor, and the only other person opposite me on that corridor was Dr. Rupi, and I thought to myself, Emily, you've got to talk to him. <laughs> you've got to say hello because it's not going to happen again um so yeah so I just I just stopped him and um said are you doctor's kitchen uh, I've got your rescue <laughs> book <laughs> 
and it doesn't happen that often i was kind of like who's the i i i because we, we see multiple patients at time i was like i'm pretty sure you're not my patient you've mistaken me for someone else but yeah no, that was uh, that was quite funny you did have like a bandaged uh yeah, bandaged hand. hand i was like excuse my avocado hand <laughs> and gave him gave him a whole pitch about arthritis foodie and yeah. uh yeah you were so lovely and and sort of stayed in touch and there's yeah definitely helped me on this journey and getting this book published for sure um so thank you rupee and uh yeah very very strange but wonderful um <laughs> thank you for for not giving me that yellow form whoever that was <laughs> that's so funny yeah it's me probably like walking around the corridor skiving off work <laughs> oh no i've been caught no, no. <laughs> i work hard i work hard um yeah no that was that was funny that was funny because I, I didn't think I'd come across your work before, and uh, and when you told me about it, I was like, yeah, no, hundred percent. You should, you should, you should definitely um, be putting stuff out there and talking about it. And if you have the confidence to build up a community and all that kind of stuff, it's it's brilliant. And we need more sort of people talking about their stories. So yeah, and I'm I'm and I'm really glad to see that you're now you know smashing it in the amazon charts and on tv and <laughs> stuff you. and we had loads of people actually messaged after um you were on uh, bbc this morning to say you know it was, it was really well done or so and so uh suffers from arthritis i'm definitely going to get the book for them and yada yada so you know it, 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 to, to your point about how little interest there is perhaps from certain specialists there needs to be a lot more because it's going to be patients like yourselves, the community of people who are going to be banging on the doors asking for that information and for better access to uh, the information and ways in which to instill this into their daily lives. Um, because as we know, it works. So thank you. That's brilliant. Really good. Cool. Thanks, Rupi. I'm glad we met in that corridor. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast on the show notes you can find out all the links to what we mentioned including versus arthritis actively autoimmune and of course emily's wonderful book do check out the other episodes on the doctor's kitchen give us a five-star review if you found this information useful sign up to the newsletter where we give you lots of inflammation beating foods uh, across uh, every single week and i will see you here next time the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 